0: He came to the woman who sat there beside me, he had a strange look on his face, his big hands were calloused, he looked like a mountain, for a minute I thought I was dead, but he started shaking, his big heart was breaking, he turned to the woman and said, The most sinister greetings, my friends. Can you believe it's already December? Like, this year has just flown by. It always seems like the holidays kind of just creep up on you, go, boom, here I am. (laughs) So thank you so much for making Paranormal Proverbs Podcast part of your day. It's greatly appreciated. Those awesome tunes that just went through the old listening vessels are courtesy of the amazing Bobby Mackey, and I'm, of course, your host, Tessa Morrow. This episode takes us into Illinois, in fact, right out of Chicago, right in Hillside. Mount Carmel Cemetery was established back in 1901 and is a sweet little Roman Catholic cemetery. Not so little, it's over 200 acres to walk around and check out all the beauty that it holds. There are hundreds of large mausoleums, crypts, beautiful funerary statues. I am huge on the funerary statues, just the life size. Oh, it's just so amazing and beautiful. I I can seriously just get lost in a cemetery and not even care. Just walking around, taking it all in for every single one is precious and unique. There are around 226,275 people, give or take few, buried here with around... 800 being buried every year. It is a forever home to cardinals, bishops, archbishops, movie stars, politicians, sports stars, and it is also home to a lot of mafia and mobsters. From one extreme right to the other, am I right? Some of the notable burials include Dennis Farina. Not only was he an actor, but he was also a former police officer. On his headstone, it reads, Walking through life with you has been a very gracious thing. It's also home to the Capone family. Al Capone and his brothers Frank and Ralph, well, they're all buried here. Ralph was known as public enemy number three. He dies of natural causes in 1974 at the age of 80 years old. Not too bad for being a Capone. Frank, well, he's not so lucky. He dies at the tender young age of 28. He's buried April 4th, my sister's birthday, 1924. $20,000 worth of flowers were placed around his silver-plated casket. Today, that's $323,495. He had a 150-car motorcade. And, of course, then we have Al. He dies at the age of 48 in 1947, known as Public Enemy Number Uno. He was originally buried at Mount Olivet Cemetery in Chicago, but in 1950, Al, along with his father Gabriel and his brother Salvador, are all moved back over here. As we make our way past the Capone family, we head on over to Julia Bucola Petta one of the most famous graves here, for many travel all over just to visit her. Her story is remarkable and unfortunate at the very same time. Julia marries a man named Matthew Petha in 1920 of June. Well, sadly, they never get out of the honeymoon phase, as less than a year later, that being March of 1921, Julia dies. At the age of 29, she is pregnant, and things should have been happy for her. You know, you're, you're pregnant. You're expecting a, a child. You should be excited and happy and great things to come. Excitement, baby laughter in the air. Well, the day has come when baby Filippo is supposed to make his grand entrance into this world. Well, there are difficulties involved, which leaves mother-to-be dead and Filippo, he's stillborn. So double tragedy right there. So for the burial, Julia is put into her wedding dress that she wore less than a year earlier. Filippo is put on top of her chest with her cradling him. After Julia's sudden death, her mother, Filomena, she starts having these weird dreams. And it's not the visitation dreams that they're checking up on you and letting you know that everything's okay. Quite the opposite, actually. It's of Julia telling her that she's still alive. This was absolutely gut-wrenching for mom. Here she is mourning her daughter and her grandson. Then all of a sudden she's getting these weird, bizarre dreams of her daughter saying, basically, help me, I'm still alive. It's kind of like, what's happening here? Was she buried alive? Like, why is... Why is she so tormented? Why does her soul keep coming back and reaching out? So her mom, she begs for the authorities, please exhume the body of my daughter and grandson. But she's ignored. Eventually, six years goes by when I don't know what happened, but she was actually able to get her daughter's body excavated. So when the day finally comes, her body is exhumed. Her coffin... They see that it's decomposed somewhat, which is normal. It's been in the ground for a few years, but her body, for the most part, was intact. The only damage, really, was that her arm that was holding the stillborn, Filippo, along with Filippo himself, well, those have decayed, but the rest of her body looked actually quite normal, which was not normal for being in the ground and dead for six years. The people that witnessed the excavation taking place, they were absolutely shocked at the lack of decomposition that Julia actually had. When she was touched, it was said her skin was still soft and her cheeks are rosy red. Someone took a picture of her body when it was excavated six years later after death, mind you. And you could see this picture today at her grave. Many don't believe this was six years after her death, but the day of her burial. That is how fresh her body looked. It looked like she was not even dead, like she was sleeping. So very interesting. I actually looked up that picture myself because I was very curious. And yeah, she, (laughs) it looks like a normal picture. Like I wouldn't look twice. But knowing that this person has not been around for six years, that's wild. Because of this, many people believed that Julia Petta was a saint. Throughout the years many people have seen her full-bodied apparition wandering throughout the cemetery but most of the times she is seen near her final resting place and guess what she's always wearing that wedding gown. People driving past on the nearby street have also seen her walking as they're driving by. One encounter that I want to share is about when a little boy was with his family. They got separated Well, they were searching everywhere for one another and it turns out that this boy's family they thought that he was with them this whole time and they actually left the cemetery for they had been there earlier visiting a loved one's grave. Well they go back to the cemetery to see a woman in a beautiful white dress holding this little boy's hand. As they came closer the woman she just suddenly vanishes. Julia Bucola Petta. She is known as the Italian Bride. I found many encounters that people have shared online throughout the years. One of them is that a man shares that he saw an apparition of a woman in a white dress, looking like she was just like kind of floating along the creek nearby. And there's actually a school pretty close by. And students were there one night for a Halloween dance back in 1976 when they see an apparition of a girl walking throughout the cemetery. Several students saw this woman, and it was clear that she was not of this world. Another incident includes high school students as well, I believe from the same school probably. One day, a carload of them were driving through the area When they see a girl walking amongst the tombstones, they pull over to get a better view. And mind you, it was pouring rain that day, like torrential rain. But the girl, she remains completely dry. In 1978, eyewitnesses report seeing Julia's tomb actually glowing. And in 1991, a group of people, they go to the cemetery. Everything's fine and normal. When all of a sudden, they see an apparition. This man shares the account, describes the woman. She was 5'8", maybe 5'9", 125 pounds. She had a glowing white full-length wedding gown, and she was barefoot. Straight, pitch-black hair tied in some sort of French braid to the middle of her back. Not one hair was out of place. He mentions that she had an illuminating glow to her. She glided off the ground of the alley past the sidewalk. He says a man was nearby smoking a cigarette and he did not see the apparition as she walked past him. Besides seeing Julia's apparition, people have also experienced phantom smells of roses right near her grave when no flowers are in sight. No bushes, no flowers on the graves, nothing. So, very interesting. Not too far from Julia is what's known as the Spinning Grave. If you wander on over to Section 19, you will find this amazing headstone. It's absolutely gorgeous and an impressive funerary statue belonging to the Salvo family, showing four women and one man, all life-size. Now, believe it or not, you can actually move this statue. It it can spin. But not easy, obviously, if it's a windy day and, you know, it's not spinning like a jack or something. It's very interesting. I actually saw a video of a man, and he was really having to put some elbow grace into it just for it to move. But apparently people have seen this spinning statue headstone move all on its own. So keep an eye out next time you're here at Mount Carmel Cemetery as you may just run into the Italian Bride or maybe one of the Capones. And about half an hour away in Lamont, Illinois, is our second location, that being St. James Cemetery and Church. The church is often referred to as Monk's Castle. Rumor is that monks resided here long, long ago. Trespassers would be forced to kneel down and repent their sins all throughout the night. Throughout the years, many reports have come in from people seeing hooded apparitions and robes, believed to be the monks. People have also heard chanting in Latin. St. James Church was built in 1833 and is the oldest Catholic church in the Chicago area. Before this was built, long ago, it was the location of where French fort actually stood. Well, two gentlemen, James Murphy and John Sullivan, they grant the right acre graveyard to St. James Church in 1858. They were both in agreement that If somebody died and they were not able to afford the burial, that they could be buried here for free. And this could only happen if the family could dig the grave themselves. No easy feat. Many times what would happen, unfortunately, people would come to bury their own own. and they would end up getting drunk or getting into these crazy brawls, huge fights, and run off before they could finish burying their loved one, leaving the dead person just kind of laying there. Tim Carroll was a well-known grave digger for the cemetery, and he would have the unfortunate task of having to bury the abandoned remains, something he had to do quite often, and he would not get a paid assent for those services. Because of this policy, we do not know the exact number of people who are buried here, for there are so many unmarked graves. Ironically, the two men who came up with this idea, James and John, they are buried here as well, and also on Popper's graves, both unmarked. During the time that Tim Carroll, the gravedigger, was here, Reverend Joseph Bullman served this church, also known as Monk's Castle. And he is buried in Mount Carmel Cemetery. Maybe he's friends with the Italian bride, Julia Petta. Speaking of gravediggers, I found online that the first gravedigger that was hired at St. James Church way back when, he had no clue in the slightest how to dig an actual grave. So his wife would actually do the grave digging for him. Pretty interesting stuff, if you ask me. The first known burial, well, that takes place in 1818, but we start to see many burials taking place in the 1930s. A log chapel was built to accommodate the spiritual needs for the Irish Canal workers, as there were so, so many back then. This would become the second Catholic house of worship that was founded in the Chicagoland area. In 1885, a stranger visits the parish and, for reasons unknown, puts a curse on the church. But not only that, but also the graveyard and all the members of the parish. Someone woke up on the wrong side of the bed. Well, shortly after this happens, bizarre notes are found tacked to the church door. Not only this, but the doors of the locals as well. Many people believed this to be the work of not some random Joe Schmoe but of Satan. This location has long since believed to been haunted. Many weird happenings take place here. One at November night, actually, it was the day after Thanksgiving in 1977, a police officer named Herb Roberts witnesses seeing several hooded figures walking around the area. Well, to him, they seem to be like floating more than actually walking. Something's definitely not right. He demands they stop, but they continue to move, walking, or more like floating, up the cemetery hill. The officer, he's armed, and he's ready for a potential ambush. As Herb goes to where he last sees the figures, he gets there, but no one is there at all. Not a single soul. So he thinks. One of the earliest encounters at the church and graveyard occurs in 1897. Two friends and musicians, William Looney and John Kelly, were staying at a nearby dance hall. While Looney, he wakes up when he hears all the commotion outside, he swears up and down that he heard a horse and a carriage. But he looks outside immediately and he sees that nothing is around but he can still hear it. He wakes his fellow musician friend up, and they both see a woman in white. She was not there before. The men just stood there and were staring at this woman in amazement. She seems to be kind of impatient. She's upset. She's waiting for somebody or something, and she's losing her patience rather quickly, it seems. After a moment or so, before the very men's eyes, they see a carriage and a horse materialize. The woman in the carriage, they merge together and then disappear. Now, in 1988, a woman, she is at St. James Cemetery visiting a priest who happened to be buried there. Nobody's around, but suddenly she hears these footsteps approach her. She turns around and sees no one there. One woman shared online that her and her husband, they used to attend night mass and that her husband would hear monks chanting. She says that a spirit came home with them one time and felt someone watching them. Been there. While in bed, they actually heard footsteps walking down the hallway and stopping at the very front of their bed. very eerie. Another woman shares that one time she was at a wedding at the church when she suddenly felt very ill. She felt that there were spirits there and as soon as she left the church she felt so much better. Like the weight has been lifted off her shoulders. And it's interesting when your mood is affected. I actually had that happen to me a few days ago, I, I was doing some computer work. And all of a sudden, just about a bout of sadness came over me, I started crying. And it was so annoying. It was so like, why am I feeling this? And then I was okay after that. And, you know, like, sometimes if you feel like in your heart, that something is going to happen, like something bad is going to happen, it's either you or somebody you love. And so I was actually like, Oh, God, is something gonna happen? And uh, thankfully, nothing did. But It is just weird how all of a sudden emotions, and that's happened to me during investigations too. Now, mind you, this wasn't investigating at that time, but still just very, very weird stuff. Now, what's very interesting to me is that in 1970, a pastor, he was on his deathbed, and he says to a visitor that there were times that he would be at the church, and he would look out his window to see the ground rise. (gasps) and fall as if it were breathing seems like a scene out of a horror movie if you ask me so if you ever find yourself in the chicagoland area look up these two cemeteries mount carmel and saint james and the church as well you may make a few spiritual friends did you enjoy this week's episode yes listen to the others you guys they're equally awesome haven't heard every single one yet No need to cry, my friends. You can binge listen right now by hitting up any of those phenomenal podcast platforms, such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Castbox, Podcast Republic. Basically, wherever you may roam to listen to your other spectacular podcast, you'll probably find Paranormal Prados podcast looking in the background. This week's special city shoutouts go to. Rapids, Minnesota, Livermore, California, Garden City, Kansas, Seattle, Washington, and Wolverhampton, England. Thank you so much for tuning in, you guys, making me part of your day. It is awesomely appreciated. Do you have a spooky tale to share? Possibly an eerie encounter with a spirit? Maybe you want to hear about a local haunt, a myth, a legend? Want to be a voiceover? Throw me an email at paraprowl at gmail.com. That's P-A-R-A-P-R-O-W-L at gmail.com. You can also find me on Paranormal Prowlers Podcast on Facebook. See you next week. My amazingly ghoulish folk.